Okay, Mirza Hashem, in a few weeks, uh, Rosh Hashanah, we're going to start a Shemitah year in Eretz Yisrael, which is an exciting time on many different levels. Uh, a, it only happens once every seven years, of course, so it's just a, uh, a nice thing to have a new set of uh, mitzvahs to do. And it brings along with it many different mitzvahs that are relevant to Shemitah, uh, most of them having to do with outworking the land, and of course the positive mitzvah that the land itself should rest. And Chazal speak in great and glowing terms about the significance and the value of this particular mitzvah, um, all the way until the degree the Pasuk itself seems to imply that the exile that the Jewish people experienced, the destruction of the first base of Mikdash, was all because the Jewish people did not observe Shemitah, and the land needed its rest. So we were kicked out in order to give time, so to speak, for the land uh, to rest. Now, we all live very far away from Eretz Yisrael. This is the, a Shemitah year when you live in the land of Israel dominates the entire landscape. Uh, where can you shop? What can you buy? What do you do with your fruits? How do you throw them away? So many day-to-day activities are uh, dependent on this halacha of Shemitah. But we live far away. I would venture to say probably none of us uh, as of yet own any farmland in the land. Even if you're privileged to own an apartment in Eretz Yisrael, it still doesn't help you uh, as far as Shemitah goes. You have to have a farm to, to be relevant to this particular mitzvah. And I imagine none of us do. Uh, so, I rent homes that have trees on them. Oh, so then, right, if you have a tree, there you go. So there, then it becomes relevant. Then it becomes relevant. So for the rest of us who don't as of yet, so the question is, in what way can we participate? Should we participate? Are required to participate in this particular mitzvah? We could almost ask the question as follows. Can we, you may have seen, our own shul is advertising this as well, different groups advertising the ability to buy a small plot of land, a parcel of land that's like an amma by an amma, a couple of feet by a couple of feet in some farm in Eretz Yisrael, and you too can now own a, a piece of farmland. So can, first the question would be, does that work? Can I actually buy this anonymous plot of land somewhere to fulfill this mitzvah? We can ask the question of, should I? Is this something that everybody should do? And we can even ask the question and say, are we required to? Is every Jew required to do something like that to be able to fulfill this mitzvah? What's the status of this idea of buying a plot of land, a parcel of farmland in Eretz Yisrael to fulfill the mitzvah of Shemitah? So we'll talk a little bit about this as it relates particularly to the month of Elul that we find ourselves in, because this is a topic that's not just a Shemitah topic, but very much related to the Avodah that we're in the midst of, of getting ready for Rosh Hashanah in Elul. So let's start the conversation with the idea that we could divide up the various mitzvahs in many different ways. There are 613 mitzvahs, of course, 248 positive mitzvahs, 365 prohibitions. And when we break down the mitzvahs, there are many different ways to break them down. One of the ways that we do so is between mitzvahs which are chiyuvi, which are obligatory, and those which are circumstantial. What do I mean that there's a mitzvah which is obligatory versus a mitzvah which is circumstantial? Circumstantial. So obligatory mitzvahs are those which are required, incumbent upon a Jew to fulfill. For example, tefillin. Every Jewish male has an obligation every day to put on tefillin. I don't have tefillin. That's not an excuse. Go get yourself a pair of tefillin. Go find one. Borrow one. Buy one. You have an obligation to put on tefillin every day. When Rosh Hashanah is going to come, you have an obligation to hear the shofar. When sukkah is going to roll around, you're going to have an obligation to shake a lulav and an esrog, to sit in the sukkah. We have an obligation, Pesach time, to eat matzah. Those are not, sir, I don't have a sukkah. The sukkahs, teishvu, shivas, yamim. Okay, you could be potter, you could be exempt, but you have an obligation to go find a sukkah, go find a lulav, go find matzah. Same idea with saying shema in the morning and at night. It's a chiyuv. Go 
do it. Then there are mitzvahs which are circumstantial. For example, the mitzvah of shechita. Anyone here ever fulfill a mitzvah of shechita before? Right? I didn't think so. We, 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 <laughs> we're still here. We're still here. Baruch Hashem. The mitzvah of shechita is the mitzvah of if you want to eat meat, so now you need to slaughter the animal that you want to eat from or have somebody else do it. But there's no obligation on a Jew to live their life, when we get up to Shemayim, there's not going to be a complaint against us of, how come he didn't do the mitzvah of shkita? I don't have to do the mitzvah of shkita. Either somebody else did it for me, if I don't want to eat meat my whole life, there's no requirement to fulfill the mitzvah of shkita. For example, the mitzvah of mezuzah. What do you need to do in order to fulfill the mitzvah of mezuzah on a Torah level? You have to buy a house. If you're renting a home, there's no obligation on a Torah level to put a mezuzah. We do put up a mezuzah after 30 days because then Chazal said already, once you're living there 30 days, it's like it's your house. That's where everybody gets confused with the 30 day because everyone, when they get married, and most people, when they get married, their first place they live is a rental. So they find out from the rabbi, you have 30 days to put up the mezuzah. Great. And then they live in a rental until they buy a house. And then they remember that they have 30 days to put up a mezuzah. That's not true. When you own your home, the moment you walk in the door... You have to put up a mezuzah, you have an obligation, but it's only an obligation if you own a house. So it's, it's a circumstantial mitzvah. If I never own a house my whole life, I'm never chayav on a Torah level to put up a mezuzah. I, I just didn't have the circumstances. Taking truma, truma or meiser, you have to have a, plant, a lot of land in, in Eretz Yisrael, you have to grow crops, and from those crops you take off truma. But it's not an obligation, like matzah, tefillin, shema, those are obligatory. I have to do them, and there are other mitzvahs which are not. This week's parsha, sending away a mother bird, only if you happen upon a bird sitting on its eggs. Or the mitzvah of tzitzis. Mitzvah of tzitzis is only if you're wearing a four-cornered garment. If I'm not wearing a four-cornered garment, I don't have a chiv to put tzitzis on, but if I do have a four-cornered garment, so those are all in the categories of what we call the circumstantial mitzvahs. In certain circumstances, you have an obligation to do something, and then there are obligatory mitzvahs as far as that goes. What about, um, the, the question then becomes, on circumstantial type mitzvahs, is there some type of inyan, is there an aspect that a Jew either should or must put themselves in a situation to have the mitzvah become relevant? Is there an idea that a person should buy a house so that they can fulfill the mitzvah of mezuzah? Should I always wear a four-cornered garment in order to have the mitzvah? What, where does that, what, what, how do we deal with that of the relationship when I'm not in the circumstance? Do I have to put myself in a circumstance that I need to do. Now, to some degree, we know that that's for sure not true, because one of the mitzvahs in the Torah is called Gerushin, to divorce one's wife. And certainly, there's no mitzvah that a person should get married in order to be able to then fulfill the mitzvah of giving a get. That's clear. It's not on all circumstantial mitzvahs that there's an obligation to put yourself in a circumstance. But the ones that we can do, is there an obligation to do so? Now, by the way, this never applies on a mitzvah lotase, on a prohibition. Meaning, there are many prohibitions which we've never had to deal with before. For example, this week's parasha also, you're not allowed to plow your field, the Torah says, with an ox and a donkey together. Because it's not whatever reason the Torah doesn't say, well, you don't know how to do that. Have you ever heard of an obligation to go out and buy an ox and a donkey so that you can own both and not plow with them together? 
There's, there's no such kind. There's a prohibition not to do so. So as long as I'm not near the prohibition, everything is great. There's no idea of creating a circumstance and then there's no obligation to buy a garment with shotness and keep it in your closet and say, don't wear it so that every morning you see the garment of shotness and you say to yourself, I'm not going to wear that. There's no such concept. For prohibitions, stay away from them as much as we can. This touches on a famous Ramban. The Ramban talks about the difference between positive commandments and negative commandments. Positive commandments are done out of ahava, out of love, to come close. Prohibitions are done out of fear, out of yira. You stay away. Don't do something to get somebody upset. I don't want to violate their desires. So we, 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 sh- we shy away from prohibitions, whereas mitzvahs aseh are fulfillments of, of ahava. So a lotaseh, just stay away from it. But here we have a concept of an aseh, but it's not relevant to me. Should I make it relevant to me? As an expression of love, to, I, wa- I want to do this. Do I have to do that or not? Yeah, no, it's another example of that. Okay, now, the starting point of this discussion is the first source on your sheet, which is the Gemara Masechus Menachas, which talks about tzitzis. Tzitzis is on our list, a classic example of something that I'm not obligated in unless I'm wearing a four-cornered garment. If I'm not wearing a four-cornered garment, there's no mitzvah of tzitzis. I only put tzitzis on four-cornered garments. The Gemara says, uh, Rav Asher Weiss, who's one of the major contemporary postkim today in Eretz Yisrael, whose brother happens to be the Av Basin here in Montreal, Rav Benjamin Weiss, is his brother. Rav Asher Weiss in Eretz Yisrael, um, when he quoted, I heard recently in a shir of, him, of his in this Gemara, this is the only Gemara in all of Shas where we learn a halacha from a malach, from an angel. And you'll see why it's relevant in this particular Gemara. The Gemara says there was a malacha ashkechele of Katina. Rav Katina, one of the Amorayim in the Gemara, a malach comes to Rav Katina and said to him, Rav Katina was wearing a certain type of garment, which was not a four-cornered garment. And Amorle, Katina, Katina, he called him by his first name. He says, you're wearing a sadina bikaita, visarvola bisituya. You're wearing this type of cloak in the summer, and then you wear a different type of coat in the winter. Both of your garments, your summer uh, wear and your winter wear, neither one of, not, neither one of which has four, corner, four corners on it. Tzitzah shel tcheles, What's going to be with the mitzvah tzitzah, he says. You know, you're never wearing a garment that requires it. So Rav Katina answered them, Anishisu Asay. Okay, so what? Is there a punishment for not fulfilling a mitzvah Asay? I don't have four corners. What do you want from me? Why is that a big deal? The Malach then reveals the following. In a moment of divine wrath, there are moments where Hashem gets angry, so to speak. In those moments... Yes, you'll be punished even for this mitzvah of tzitzis, which you weren't obligated because you weren't wearing a four-cornered garment, but you'll be punished for not doing the mitzvah that you had an opportunity to do. So the Gemara continues, Okay, listen, one second. If I'm wearing four corners and you told me I didn't put tzitzis on them, I should be punished. That makes sense. But What do you mean in the moment of anger I should be punished? I didn't do anything wrong. I'm not wearing a garment that requires tzitzis. So the Gemara says, This is what the angel was in essence telling him, You're looking for ways to get out of it. You have a mitzvah in front of you. You have a mitzvah. Put on four corners. I'm not wearing four corners. 
you're right. You're not doing anything wrong, but you're also not doing anything right, and you're looking for a way to get out of it. You're wearing garments that specifically don't require it. So in a moment of divine wrath, yeah, be careful. Look out, because you've specifically gone out of your way. You're looking for a way not to fulfill a mitzvah. Question that we now have is, once this is the only Gemara that we have, and you see this is the only Gemara in which a Malach reveals to us, down here, if all we had was the, the Torah and the Gemara, there's no obligation. I'm not, wearing, uh, I'm not wearing a garment. That's four corners. What do you want from me? The Malach reveals, you're going to get it. You're going to get it in a moment of anger, regularly. But if Hashem is angry, it's going to come down on you for the opportunity you had to fulfill this mitzvah of tzitzis, so easy, and you did it. So the question now is, is it something unique to tzitzis? Or is this an example for any mitzvah where a person had an opportunity to do, but didn't, he'll be punished for? Is this a, a, a rule? Or is this the exception? It's something specific to tzitzis. So there are two unique aspects of tzitzis which has to be addressed, which then we have to figure out whether, what to do with this in terms of other aspects. Number one is the chashivus, the significance of the mitzvah tzitzis as a whole. Three quick sources in source number two. Number one is the pasuk itself. Tzitzis isn't just another mitzvah. Tzitzis is the mitzvah through which the Torah says you'll remember all of the others and do them. So there's a special significance that the Torah itself puts on the mitzvah of tzitzis. The Gemara then picks up on this and makes two fascinating statements. One in Maseches Nidarim, Shkula mitzvah tzitzis keneged kol mitzvah Shibbat Torah. There are five different mitzvahs that Chazal say such a, a line about. That this mitzvah is so important, so significant, it's equal to every mitzvah. Tzitzis is one of them. As the Pasuk it says, you, when you see your tzitzis, you'll remember and fulfill all the mitzvahs. And then lastly, the Gemara says, He who is careful with the mitzvah of tzitzis will merit the divine presence itself. So there's a certain significance to the mitzvah of tzitzis. So it could be that when the Gemara says, the Malach reveals up in Shemayim, if you didn't take advantage of this mitzvah, yes, look out, you might be punished, even though you didn't technically do anything wrong, there is something unique about tzitzis. It's particularly important. And that significance is then uh, legislated by the Tur, the Tur, which was, who was the son of the Rush, Rabbeinu Usher, Rabbi Yaakov was the son of the Tur, who uh, wrote what becomes the basis for the Shulchan Aruch. He writes in Simen Chaf Dalet, that in source number three, a person is not required to buy a four-cornered garment. There's no mitzvah in the Torah. The Torah just says, if you have a four-cornered garment, put sittas on it. There is no obligation to go out and buy one. Nonetheless, second line, he says, Mikol makom tov v'nachon lihios kol adam zahir v'zariz b'mitzvah tzitzis. It is appropriate, it is a good thing that every person should be particularly careful and v'zariz, be quick and hasten in this mitzvah tzitzis, that he should have a beged katun mitzuya, sheyilbos oso kol ayom, wear it all day. Ki ikr mitzvah sal zechiris ha-mitzvah. The purpose of it is to remember the mitzvahs. And he concludes, uvechol sha'ah and we need that. Every moment, we need a reminder. A person is always needing to see. That's why the puzzle, so you should see them. Remember. So he says you're not obligated to, but it's appropriate for everybody to always do so. So that's aspect number one. Maybe the reason why there's divine wrath over not wearing a pair of tzitzis is because it's so important. 
You can merit to see the Shechin itself. It's equivalent to the entire Torah. It reminds us to do everything. And therefore, there's an aspect of tzitzis and unique to tzitzis that we have this idea. There's a second aspect of tzitzis on... Um, the, well, that, I, don't know if I, would, I don't know if I would say it's a, it's a chiyuv to do the zahir. The Torah is saying you'll see them and, uh, and you will remember. There's a second aspect, which Tosos points out. Maybe this is the, uh, the unique aspect of this Gemara, as follows. On the top of uh, the second side, she, uh, source number four. Tosos points out that the Gemara says that in a moment of wrath, he quotes from our Gemara Menachos, that Hashem will punish a person for not wearing tzitzis. That's not always true, Tosos says. That's not true in every era that a Jew would be punished for not wearing tzitzis, only in the era of Rav Ketina in the Gemara. What was so unique about that era? All the Talis were Arba Kanfos. Everybody, the normal garment was four-cornered in that generation that Rav Ketina lived. Then, Ika Onesh Oso Shemishana Oso Potter. Rav Katina, the Gemara is pointing out, why are we having this whole episode of Rav? Why? He went out of his way to wear a garment different than what everybody else was wearing so that he should not be obligated for whatever reason he was doing it. And on that, the Malach said, you're making an effort not to have the mitzvah. It's in front of you. Everybody wears clothing like that. Tosus was already in my generation in the 1100s and the 1200s. Sherova Talisos Peturin. We wear clothing. None of our clothing has four, gar- four corners on it, like ours today doesn't. <laughs> then says Tosus, Ein Onesh Lemish, Ein Okone Arba Konfos. Today, Tosus says, if somebody doesn't go and buy a pair of tzitzis, this Gemara wouldn't apply to him. Wouldn't apply to him. Only Rav Katina, who had to go out of his way not to be Chayev, would be in that divine wrath. But Tosus says, but in our day, where it's the opposite. You have to go and buy a pair of scissors because our clothing never has four corners. It doesn't apply. It's only when you took yourself out of the obligation in order, that's when you are subject to the divine wrath. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's in, in Mexico, that's not, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not ripped high enough. If that would go higher, we would look more like, a, a, what are they called in Mexico? The... Uh, Pancho, or they, uh, what's it? There's whatever they wear, you know. There's a, there, it, it comes up, Purim. This comes up every every once in a while for a Purim costume. Somebody will buy a, a Mexican outfit with a big sombrero and whatever they call those things, and all of a sudden he's wearing four corner garments. That that requires that requires sitsis. That requires sitsis one hundred percent. Um, anyway, so this, now we have two approaches as to what's unique about the Gemara. Either that tzitzis is special because it's such an important mitzvah, but maybe, as Tosa suggests, the reason why you receive the divine wrath for tzitzis is because the Gemara there is talking about a guy who went out of his way not to be obligated. And we see this somewhere else in the mitzvah of Birchas Kohanim. Many Kohanim, we have a Kohen here. So the Kohanim of a mitzvah to Duchen. Kohanim of a mitzvah to duchen. However many times they end up in shul, when they duchen, so the Kohen has the mitzvah to go up and duchen together with, with the tzibor. Let's say he doesn't want to. 
It doesn't go up. So he has a mitzvah saseh. He has a mitzvah kosuvarchu. This is how you should bless the people. So the Shulchan Aruch writes in Simon Kuf Chavches in source number five, Kol Kohen She'ein Bo'echad Me'advarim HaMa'akvin, meaning he's, he's qualified. He doesn't have any disqualifications. Im Eino Ole Leduchin. If he does not go up with the other Kohanim, even though he's mevatel a mitzvah ase achas, really officially according to the count of mitzvahs, he's only nullified one mitzvah. Harezek over begimel ase, it's as if he's nullified three. The Mishnah Brooks made there are like three different psukim that the Torah discusses how the Kohen should bless the people. So even though technically in your count you've nullified one, it's as if you've nullified three. When? If he was there when they called all the, all the other Kohanim up, they said, come, duchen for us. And he doesn't go. So he's At what point is it considered that he's been like, he's been over, that he's been, he's been mevatel? So the Mishabru explains in the Beralacha, number six, it's mistavra to say, when is it officially the time? Like, when can he leave and be okay? And when is it too late? That if he leaves now, it's already... You're, you're, you, you gave up on your mitzvah. If, you're, if you leave early enough, then it hasn't yet started. The Zman mitzvah hasn't started. When does the Zman mitzvah begin that the Kohen's not allowed to leave? And at that point, if he doesn't do it, he's been mevatel this assay. Says the Mishabruah, Me'es shishar ha-kohanim mechinim atzmam l'nesiyas kapayim. When all the other Kohanim begin to get ready, at that moment, now everybody's doing it. If you step out then, if you stay in your seat then and don't join what everyone else is doing, then shikvar koros panav. He turns his face and he leaves. Then he's nullified this particular mitzvah. And this is the same idea that we have according to Beitantosis, the second explanation of tzitzis. What's so bad about not wearing a pair of tzitzis? Tosis said only in that era where everybody was doing it. You have, you're actively saying, I don't want it. And we see the same idea by a Kohen. When everybody gets up, and now you say, I'm not in. I don't want to be involved in benching the people. Then you're over on the assay. Okay, so what does that leave us with? So now how would we apply any of this to Shemitah? So do we have an obligation to buy, if we stopped here, we have an obligation to buy a plot of land in, so it's, a, it's clearly a circumstantial mitzvah. I don't have a plot on, do I need to put myself in that position? Well, we have one example of tzitzis. Tzitzis is either supremely significant or it's that you went against the grain and uh, everyone else is doing it and you're not. Would that apply to Shemitah that we would have uh, some aspect and obligation to buy land? I wouldn't think so in either case. We don't have any source that treats Shemitah to the level that we see that the Shechina comes and rests on a person the way we see by Tzitzis, that it reminds you of all the mitzvahs. It's important Shemitah, but it doesn't have that level. And it's certainly not on the level of you're going against the grain. I live in Chutzlar. That's why it's not relevant to me. I'm not going against anything. So even, even if that was true that most, which were pretty close, even so, but not all the Jews who live in Eretz Yisrael have land that would be obligated them in, in Shemitah, but still, but for me, who's, who's starting, in other words, a Kohen who's at, in bed, sleeping in, is not over the assay of not benching the people because he didn't pick himself and go to shul, even if all the other Kohanim did. You have to have been there and then turned your face against everybody and walked out. I never showed up. So the calling would be fine if he never showed up, which would be the same a Jew living in Chutzlar. So the Jew living in Chutzlar, I, I didn't do it. I'm not there. I don't have an obligation to, to do anything like that. 
The, the question then is, the, what is the mitzvah, as far as we talked a little bit more about Shemitah, there are a couple of different aspects of the mitzvah of Shemitah. There are a number of losases, as the Rambam lists here in uh, source number uh, seven. Uh, the Rambam lists uh, four, there, there are seven total mitzvahs in Shemitah. Hopefully we'll have another chance to talk about all the details of that, but let's just talk about three or four. You can't till the ground. You cannot do any work on the trees. You can't reap even that which grows on its own. And then you'll, uh, you'll harvest that and reap. You can't do that. You can't gather the, sh- the fruits. Oh, you're not allowed to work the land, gather the fruits in a way that you're going to come and sell it. You're allowed to eat. You can pick to eat, but you can't work the field in, in any way. What if you don't own the land? Is there a prohibition of working land that I don't own? I go into someone else's field and I work that. It says, Sadcha lot Israel. Your field you shouldn't work. So that, parenthetically, is an interesting machlokas achronim. Uh, the Chazan Ish holds that it is not a problem. The only prohibition is on your own land to work. If you're working someone else's, certainly it's rabbinically prohibited, but it wouldn't actually be a total prohibition if you don't actually uh, own it. But those are all on the lotases. Those are on the lotases. What about the mitzvahs ase? What is, the, is there a mitzvahs ase of... Uh, positively observing Shemitah, or is it only don't work the land? They're all lotases. I do have to make it hefker. I do have to make it hefker. So there is a positive commandment, and that is the, the Rambam in, in the beginning of Hilcha Shemitah uh, writes as follows. I just have the, the English here. We'll just read that uh, in the interest of time. It's a positive commandment to refrain from working the land and caring for the trees, because the Pasuk says, Vishavsah uh, Haaretz. Vishav Saha'aretz, the land should rest. And therefore, if you violate that, you do any of the prohibitions, so you're not allowing it to rest, but it needs to rest. How do you allow the land to rest? So there's a, a mitzvah asay to allow the land itself to rest. Now, the, um, the Rambam understands here that based on, Rabbi Weiss pointed this out as well, even when on all the prohibitions, the, the language of the Apostle is your field, sadcha lotizra, karmcha lotizmor. When it comes to the positive mitzvah of Shemitah, it's said in a very general way of vishavsa ha'aretz. The land, the land should rest. Do I have to own the land in order to fulfill the land resting? Does it have to be my land? Or just that the land needs to rest? Is it an obligation that the land rests or an obligation of the land owner to allow it to rest? This is a major discussion. Well, it has to rest because if, if Hashem takes out, you know, uh, all the Jews out of Eretz Israel for the land to rest, nobody owns land during that time. The land has to rest. So, so you have Arabs that toil the land. So, so here we have, so this is going to be a major, we'll have to discuss this in another share at more length, but for our purposes tonight, the Rambam understands that it's actually the function of an, uh, of an individual's work irrespective of ownership. The land, it doesn't matter who owns it, the land must remain unworked, and therefore, whether I own the land or don't own the land, it's the same mitzvah for me. Not to work anyone's land, the land should not work. Whereas the Ritva holds it's specifically the landowner's responsibility to make sure that his land is not, uh, is not worked. There's a third approach, uh, a, a, an interesting approach from more, a more contemporary approach from the Nitziv, Natalin Sviyuda Berlin, who uh, lived in the late 1800s, that it, the mitzvah is to prevent the land from being worked. Meaning, 
if it was not going to be worked anyway, there's nothing to do. But you have to save the land from someone who would have otherwise, uh, otherwise worked it. It means, according to the Rambam, that it's not, a, it's not on the owner, it's just that the land needs to rest. We can fulfill the mitzvah the same whether we're there or we're here. It's just a matter that the land needs to rest. According to Ritva, we would have to be the actual home, homeowner or landowner in order to fulfill, uh, in order to fulfill that mitzvah. Yeah. Correct. That would be the, like whose resp- whose responsibility is that to uh, to make sure that uh, that happens. All of this to summarize then comes down as follows: Is there an aspect of am I required to buy land? So at that point, say I'm not only not required to. Can I buy land? And will that help at least for me to fulfill something uh, within any of these mitzvahs? On that discussion of can I, living here, buy land over there and fulfill these mitzvahs, even that discussion of does it even, meaning let me just clarify, an obligation to do so? Certainly I don't have an obligation to do so. Can I? Will it even work if I do? On that also is not so simple that it works at all. Rav Weiss concluded, for sure not. Absolutely no aspect of a Jew sitting in Queens, in Montreal, wherever they live, and owning a four-by-four piece of land in, in some farm that he has no control over, and saying, I'm fulfilling this mitzvah. The mitzvah was given be'emunah to the farmers to give up an entire year of work and to trust that Hashem will take care of them and to let the land lay fallow and to suddenly uh, be somewhere else on a piece of land that you don't even know exactly where it is and you have no control over evidenced by the fact of, let's say the Jew who bought this piece of land would say, I want to work it. Would he be able to do so? Most likely the answer is no. He wouldn't be able to pull it off that, even if he wanted to. There's, they say also in the name of Rav Moshe that in order to fulfill the mitzvah of Shemitah, it's a you have to work it for six years prior, and then the seventh year you let it leave. So you're going to work in business for six years and then just all of a sudden in the seventh year swoop in and no, 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 no. You got to work the, the fields for six years first and then in the seventh year you can, be able to, uh, you can be able to do so. So there are those, there are those who argue on, uh, on this approach. But there are those, Rav Asher Weiss, said in the name of Russia, and it wouldn't even work even if you tried buying a plot of land to fulfill the mitzvah, because it's not, you don't have any control over it, it's not yours, you didn't work it for six years prior, you have to actually have a, uh, you have to have a piece of land that you could work and uh, be able to do so. So, why am I saying all of this? Here we are supporting uh, Karen Ashvius, which is we're promoting uh, buying, uh, supporting farmers and buying land. So there are really two components. There are really two components to Karen Ashrias, and which I'll introduce with one last major point, which is really the part of the uh, the Elul discussion of, of this of this Gemara. The Gemara comments in your uh, in Masechah Sota that Moshe Rabbeinu, we know, wasn't able to enter into Eretz Yisrael, desired it, but wasn't able to go in. Five hundred and fifteen Tefilas Chazal saying Parshas Ve'Eschanan, begging, pleading, Hashem, please let me in, let me in, let me in, and Hashem says no. And the Gemara asks, in the name of Rabbi Simlai, what, what did he desire it so badly for? He needs to get, what, what, why? So it doesn't go into Eretz Yisrael. It's so terrible. To Moshe Rabbeinu was terrible. Says Rabbi Simlai, why? All he wanted was to eat its fruits. That's what Moshe wanted. He wanted to be satiated from the great produce of Eretz Yisrael. Why did he care so badly? 
There are so many mitzvahs that Hashem gave us, that can only be fulfilled in Eretz Yisrael. Moshe desired to go in to be able to fulfill the mitzvahs. If he would have died, which he did, of course, outside the land, there were so many mitzvahs that he would never have been able to fulfill. Had he made it in, then he would be able to fulfill all of these mitzvahs. And that's what Moshe desired. This is a follow-up. We see Moshe 40 years prior when the Jews are running out of Mitzrayim. Uh, Moshe Rabbeinu ran after the Atzmos Yosef, the bones of Yosef. All the Jews are running after the gold and silver. Moshe wants the bones. He wants to be involved in the mitzvah. It's, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. So we could talk halachically. Are we required to buy a plot, a small plot of land in Eretz Yisrael? Certainly not. If we do, does it work? Eh, maybe yes, maybe no. What's the goal? What's the purpose of all of this? Twofold. Number one, there's an attitude that a Jew lives with of, all I want to do is, I want to fulfill the mitzvahs. That, that's what I'm here for. What does it cost me, a couple of bucks to put on a pair of tzitzis? I'll do it. Uh, it's so easy. Vilna Gon was crying on his death, but they say the famous story of Vilna Gon and his Talmidim asked him, you know, Vilna Gon used to count up the moments per year that he would waste. What are you crying about? He would say, I'm leaving the world for a couple of bucks. I buy a pair of tzitzis and I can e- acquire eternity. It's so easy for nothing. And I'm leaving that world. And now I'm stuck in a world where it, it is what it is. There's no more movement. There's no more ability to fulfill mitzvahs. That's all Moshe Rabbeinu wanted was to be able to go in and to, to fulfill the mitzvah of, uh, of the, that are irrelevant to the land of Eretz Yisrael. So in the month of Elul, to be able to say to the Rebbeinu Shalom, I have an opportunity. It comes around once every seven years. A mitzvah of Shemitah. I could be in Chutzlarts and have no shaykhs to it. No connection. It doesn't impact me. It doesn't affect me. I'm unaware. Or I can do something that shows I have the opportunity to be involved in this. And the way that they do it, and I'll conclude with this, which is really, at the end of the day, the most important aspect, is supporting the farmers. The whole mechanics of renting a piece of land and borrowing. The bottom line is... Sending funds to support the farmers. And at the end of the day, that's really what is about that. Right from the Avni Nezer, who writes in the same way as a Jew can support another Jew who's sitting and learning. In a kolo. And there's a famous Yisachar Zvulin relationship. A Jew helps support a Jew learning, so the Jew who's learning has to share his, uh, his schar with the Jew supporting him. Avni Nezer says the same exact thing is true with a Jewish farmer. A Jewish farmer is, I, can't, I won't be able to make it. And the Jews of Chutzlar say, oh, we're going to help you. There's a whole discussion. The Torah itself promises that the farmer will be guaranteed success. How, why do we need to support the farmers? Hashem says he's going to take care of it. So either it's because we're still not in a Shemitah Daraisi yet, it's still we're not yet fully there, or that those who say Hashem is taking care of it. He sent the Jews from Chutzlaretz to help them. However you want to say that, the bottom line is, when the Jews of Chutzlaretz say to the Jews of Eretz Yisrael, here's a mitzvah to be done, and you're being Moser Nefesh. You're literally giving up an entire year of your work, and we're going to make sure that you're okay. We have a portion in that. That is like we're fulfilling the mitzvah of Shemitah. You're literally partnering. So whether or not the mechanics of buying a small plot of land is required, if it works, we could talk in, in, all day long from that aspect. But the ability to say to A, to the Rebona Shalom, there's a mitzvah to be done, and I want to be part of it. I want to have a chilek. I want to be involved. 
That's what it's about. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu desired. And to say, I'm literally going to partner. I'm going to make sure that the farmers who are out there, who are literally being Moser Nefesh, I want to be a part. I want to be a, a partner, a shutuf with them, to be able to do so is, uh, is, is the tremendous, uh, a tremendous chus. There's uh, one last Gemara. The Gemara says that if a person who is not able to bring a karban, but he learns the halachas of what it means to bring a karban, the Gemara says is Ke'ilu, he's brought a Karban Ola. Rashi seems to understand that only applies to Karbanos, but many of the Achranim, the Mabit, the Taz, the Shla, all right, that that applies to other mitzvahs that a Jew couldn't otherwise fulfill if you learn the mitzvahs, learn the halachas of what it means to do that mitzvah. So being Osek in the mitzvah is also like you're fulfilling it. We have an opportunity, A, to learn more about Shemitah, and B, really, to say, that, that's, I, I want to have any part that I can. I want to be involved. That's all Moshe Rabbeinu desired was to be able to fill the mitzvahs in Eretz Yisrael. So, no, Nebuch, we still live in Chutz Laaretz. Okay, so to say, like, I'm not relevant to the mitzvah of Shemitah, I want to be relevant to the mitzvah. So I'm going to help support financially a farmer to be able to do so. I'll have a piece of land. I, that, I, I should be involved. I should be involved in being able to do so. And that really, that is the avoda of El. That's the avoda of El of saying, this is something that I want to be part of. I want to be close. I want to be able to fulfill the mitzvahs. And I want to show Hashem. That's all that I, that's what I care about. And I'm willing, uh, I want to be a, a partner uh, in being able to do so. So uh, that is the, uh, the connection between the, the, the month of El and this idea of buying a piece of land. But whether we uh, officially get a, a, a star or not uh, is nice. Main thing is that we should be involved in supporting the farmers who are uh, fulfilling this mitzvah and showing Hashem that it's something that we want to be a part of, we want to be a partner to those farmers with in any opportunity to be involved in a mitzvah that we can. Halavai, we should all be zocha to actually have a plot of land in Eretz Yisrael, whether it be an apartment with a fruit tree in the front or an actual farm, whatever it may be, to be able to fulfill all the mitzvahs in Eretz Yisrael um, all in due time. A wonderful evening to all.